How's it going? And welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And this is episode three, the fistula of justice. Fistula. So It's a good damn word. <laughs> it is a good word, because any word that makes you gag this early into a show is probably really awful. Just Google. a terrible choice. <laughs> Google is your friend. Oh, Google's brought me nothing but misery. <laughs> Google will bring you images. And not good ones. Don't Google fistula, please. Christ's sake. All right, so what do we got in the pipeline for this uh, evening, morning, whenever you happen to be listening? Well, uh, we are at the end of the first four weeks of official new 52 DCNU releases. Yeah, it's not even the end of the first four weeks. It's, it's the end, other than now that it's over, they've announced Huntress 1 is coming out, but that is outside the scope of... We've rebooted Everting. Lonely number 53. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a prime number. It's it's like, uh, I'm 53. Soon I'll be 60 and suicidal. <laughs> and now I want to see if anything divides evenly into 53. <laughs> Is it prime? I don't, it might be a prime it number. It might be a prime number. <laughs> don't start looking right now. If you know, just, just email us. Yes. Tweet us or something. Do some goddamn thing. Very bad at math. But all right, so yeah, the first 52 is over. It has been a wide swath of superhero comics and one or two war comics yes. and several horror comics. You know, overall, I don't know, what what do you think? It's it has been DC's big chance to say, "Okay, we're chucking it all and we're going to remake it in the image that we've always wanted it to be for new readers, for existing readers." Anybody who likes any genre, although <laughs> there were no naked nurse comics, I looked. No naked nurse? Did you not read Red Hood and the Outlaws? <laughs> <laughs> she was not a naked nurse, although... Not naked with, enough. With that rack, she could nurse, but... Yep. She had 38 reasons that she could nurse. Um, <laughs> you know, looking over the list of things that, that came out, there is definitely something there for everybody. Um... The question is whether or not you enjoyed how they approached what they released. Sure. Um, and for the most part, I I found a lot of it. Yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, I I, the, I had very little over here. We've torn down our universe. We've rebooted everything. We've alienated every woman on the planet. I'm not alienated. We've gotten a great deal of press. Many new readers. How'd it go? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Good on you. Please be more specific than <laughs> fine, for Christ's sake. Um, I'm completely whacked on Sudafed and alcohol. I can't deal with fine. Where where I thought the reboot shown was in the treatment of certain previously Vertigo owned or Vertigo published properties. Okay, like what? Uh, Swamp Thing, Animal Man. I thought that those were particularly well done. Yeah, uh, both uh, very good books. Um, I really want to see where they go. They're clearly tied together. Yes, I like the idea of, of uh, there being elemental forces and they're tied to particular colors and they, in addition to the writing around those ideas, they tied them into a color theme that worked into the actual art of the comics. 
um, and, and Lemire and Snyder are uh, clearly talking and working together on an overall map for those characters. Definitely seems like it, sure. Um, it, other DC dark properties were not quite as eloquently <laughs> uh, produced. Uh, JLA dark concerns me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, let's talk about that, because I know you were really looking forward to that one. Um, I was. I was. Uh, see, the thing is, for me, I like any idea of the Justice League, but done in dark. I, I actually, just to back out of this slightly, I like Stormwatch. Sure. Um, and I think that actually is under their edge property as opposed to their dark property or whatever. Yeah, um, the, the dark stuff is clearly meant to be, you know, vertigo DC. Yeah. Whereas the edge things are certain characters from the DC universe, like Deathstroke. Plus, their excuse to hold on to Wildstorm properties. Yeah, the, the edge in air quotes amounts to Dan DiDio and Jim Lee saying, "Hey, kids, you want to see a body?" <laughs> that, that's it. all right. So, moving on, one of the things that also happened this past week is that DC has hired Nielsen, the corporation that typically does ratings and surveys for television programs, to survey readers and um, comic book store owners about uh, their reaction to the, the DC reboot. I actually took the survey. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I keep meaning to do it, but, you know, th there's liquor involved and I have shit to do. Um, it, it only is for U.S. readers, so there was a certain amount of, of kerfuffle online from people that live outside the United States that tried to take it and then got all the way through the survey only to be told, thanks, we're not actually going to use your survey results, but thanks. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's just a shitty survey review. I've worked for companies that have done surveys, and, yeah, the design that goes behind them is actually very important, and people would be fired if they created a survey where they wasted the time of a fucking customer to do it. But, you know, it's only DC Comics owned by Warner Brothers. They don't have the money to put that kind of development. In no. 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 Um, but, yeah, I took it. I, what, what I took away from it was primarily they're trying to figure out um, how many of the books you're buying, how many of them you think you're going to continue to buy, and then they had a, a select group of books that may be on the bubble that they weren't sure about to begin with that may get the ick unless the survey shows that people really like them, and that included like Deathstroke and Batwing and Voodoo and Grifter, some of the, the smaller books that people weren't necessarily going to pay quite as much attention to. The, the obvious ones that, you know, it's doesn't have Batman or Superman or... We needed to get to 52 for the gimmick. We're not <laughs> sure about these. Christ, why do we do 52 Earths after Infinite Crisis? Why didn't we do 18? Yeah. Then Keith Giffen could write all of them. They yes, exactly. They themselves a lot of fucking problems. Exactly. But, I mean, what kind of questions were in it? Because I didn't, haven't had a chance to take it yet. Yeah, um, as an old school comic reader, I firmly believe that the way you influence comics is by... Buying them and by dressing in a stupid suit and mouthing off at a convention. So yes. it's a new new concept <laughs> for me. But I, I think I might have to try the dressing up in a stupid suit and mouthing off at a convention. I'd can, can I vote? I would have said Batgirl, but What's-Her-Face ruined it for me at San Diego. I'll, Ruiner. She ruined it. I'll come up with something. <laughs> um, the, the, the questions ranged from your typical tables of, um, you know, here are all the 52 various comics. Um, I very much enjoyed, somewhat enjoyed, was neutral about, didn't care about, actively hated, kind of, you know, bubble the the radio button. Okay. Um, and then they had some open response ones where you could 
just tell them your thoughts. You know, what did you like? What didn't you like? Be as specific as possible. I was very clear that um, I really enjoyed Swamp Thing and I, I really enjoyed Animal Man, but I continue to actively dislike Damian Wayne and could something heavy fall on him soon. <laughs> um, and also um, more exploding babies. I think we need more exploding babies. <laughs> I really I like, dug that. I, I I will continue to buy Demon Knights solely for exploding babies. In any book that will explode. I'm babies. deeply broken. <laughs> I, I want to see exploding babies in Archie comics. I would start totally buying. Yes. It. <laughs> but um, it, it was it was that sort of thing. I, it, it wasn't a survey that you had to think deeply about. Um, it certainly gave enough wiggle room on those kinds of questions where you know if. If you actively are are in hate mode still because of what Scott Lobdell did with uh, Starfire, you could mouth off about that. If if you think that you know more cheesecake is the way to go, you could also construct some sort of coherent argument about that. I mean, were there any active questions about sex appeal in comics no. or anything? Okay, no. it, yeah, nobody would really expect that. Uh, I don't know. Um, I fully intend to go in and take the survey at some point, and you know, I get forgetful, and again, you know, I drink. But, yeah, it's. I find it somewhat encouraging that they're taking this whole initiative serious enough to say, okay, what well, we've done is a big deal, and maybe we really want to poll people, because uh, you and I both know firsthand any dipshit can create a fucking website and rant about the comics they like and bitch about the ones they don't. And I know. Crazy people out there with way too much free time. Exactly. You know, just a microphone and a can of beer and an axe to fucking grind. You sack of shit. I, I can't think it's of It's easier it. than dressing up in a costume and ranting at people at a convention. That's true. <laughs> that requires investment and time and well, it still requires the beer, but... So, um, one of the bits of bleh on the internet around this is... Is that uh, a scientific term? Was that in the survey? Yeah. On a scale of one to bleh. <laughs> yes. That's uh, the scientific bleh. That's why I was hoping for the cheesecake thing. You know, on a scale of boner to I threw up a little bit. <laughs> no, but you can use that in the open response part of, of the survey. <laughs> <laughs> my boner? Yeah. <laughs> Do they take scanned pictures? Cause no. I'll clear no. my cookies. I'll take this fucking thing five times. <laughs> No, no attachments, no. Excuse me, DC, <laughs> have you seen my penis in this light? Would you like to? How about this light? <laughs> Look at it! Uh, um, Patton just... Oswalt. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> apparently was, uh, alleges he was accosted at um, Meltdown Comics in Los Angeles uh, last Wednesday when he went in to go buy his comics um, and Nielsen, in addition to having this online poll, also have been sending live bodies out to various uh, comic book stores and asking people on site these questions. And, you know, who knows if it was like an overzealous fan who thought, oh, there's like one of the most famous geeks in the world. Won't I do well and get promoted if I can get his thoughts? <laughs> there's the star of big fan. On a scale of boner, do I throw <laughs> up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um Oswald apparently uh, really didn't enjoy the experience. Um, Andor is oversensitive. Um, Princess in the Peace style, I don't know. But uh, he <laughs> was very upset about it. And then after that said, I bought my last DC comic today. Even though, according to Bleeding Cool, he was apparently overheard at least as far back as July as saying, I'm not going to buy any of the reboot. This is evil. 
Now, of course, all of his Batman pitches had just been rejected by DC, but you know, yeah. and I'm sure he's not bitter or anything. Well, but <laughs> to, to play somewhat devil's advocate, I mean, I've been accosted by these uh, surveyors before, and once or twice you stop if it looks like something kind of interesting. Um, the last time I think I stopped to show how far back it was, they showed me a trailer to uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with fucking Robert De Niro as the monster. Oh, God, and, that thing. Yeah, like a dope. I said, that looks pretty good, but I was pretty hungover. But <laughs> it, particularly to comic geeks, I think, yeah, your store is your sanctuary. You find your local store, and you get to know people, and you go in, and there are people that you talk to, and you get to know the you know freaks who are drooling and you know, just want to point at the Batgirl number one and scream, whore, and you learn to ignore those. And it's you, you go in there and pick out your books and have your conversations and have that interrupted. I mean, I get pissed off when at my local liquor store there's somebody there saying, eh, would you like to try Malibu rum? And fuck you. Wait, they're offering me free booze, and I get pissed because they're interrupting me while I'm trying to figure out which particular square bottle of Jack Daniels because they're all the same <laughs> I want to buy. <laughs> Will it be the green label today? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's somewhat understandable to have the reaction of, you know, dude, can you leave me the fuck alone? And yeah, not having been there, it could have been somebody overzealous going, "Ooh, I've had a celebrity sighting," and uh, you know, it's L.A. The ulterior motive could have been, "Can you take my survey and read my script and rub my balls under the table or some goddamn thing." <laughs> um, but yeah, to have the reaction, I've bought my last DC comic. You know, dude, you're in L.A. and you're being accosted over your opinion on something in show business. It se- But again, I wasn't there. It, it seems a little but overreacting. Yeah. That's just it. You know, nobody. I wasn't there. You weren't there. All we have are a string of tweets and and um, tweets from Meltdown Col- uh, Comic Book Store apologizing and everything seems smoothed over. Now, ultimately, is it the fault of DC Comics? Is it the fault of Nielsen? You know, is Patton just oversensitive? Who knows? <laughs> I, I in no way blame DC Comics. Frankly, I applaud the idea of, uh, yeah, let's go a little bit beyond. You know, Comics is a very insular world, and beyond the New 52, the biggest books in America were selling 75, 100,000 copies. That's nothing in a mass entertainment medium. Yeah, so it, it, as an insular audience, they're buying this one thing, and then if they say, I'm not going to buy this anymore, they just buy something else. If you have a chance to have some potential new readers that you can reach and get the opinion of, because those people are not going to comic book resources or Bleeding Cool or, based on our numbers, certainly they're not coming to our fucking website. But Yes, they are. You know you are. You know you love us. But uh, they're... They're not going to go online and make their opinion felt. It's it's a way to have, even if it's a small section of ten or 20,000 potential new readers who come across this thing, get some opinions and you know, try to craft their books based on the things that people are looking for. Yeah, on the one hand, it seems kind of horrible and corporate and cynical. On the other hand, if they are actually you know taking the opinions of their readers seriously, great, you know. I, I guess after a certain point, maybe I'm too cynical. <laughs> What's, uh, yeah, you certainly don't want the idea of, oh, my art is being built on consensus by a corporation. 
but at the same time... It kind of already is if you look at many other facets of pop entertainment. Well, yeah, make no mistake, particularly with the Schuster lawsuit and the Kirby lawsuit and there's major... Mo- nothing happens with Superman that doesn't get cleared through corporate lawyers. Yeah. It, it doesn't... To say, oh, I want my Superman to be pure and written by the artist, that hasn't happened since 1939. No. <laughs> so... Yeah, the idea that they're taking the opinion of the people who are actually reading this seriously and saying, okay, it really is a fresh start, and maybe let's try to craft something. They're really on new ground here. This is bigger, in a lot of ways, even than Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was the last real full-on reboot where, all right, we're really starting kind of everything over and doing it in a way we're trying to reach people outside and say, come in. And, and so to, to give those people and the people who've been reading forever a universal voice of fine come here with the standardized scale and tell us what you think beyond uh, uh, robin amanda got shit-faced and said fury of firestorm was a terrible fucking book <laughs> we would never well maybe you you did but um, let's be fair i was sober when i wrote that but this is true um yeah and either way even if like one particularly well-known um famous geek freaks out about it any publicity is good publicity, so now more eyes are on the story that you know DC is trying to take the opinion of its readers. Yeah, you know, so it's it'll just help them in the long run to have somebody flip out about it because then it stays in the news. It's uh, yeah, I mean, with the way comics are these days, almost any publicity is good publicity. I mean, ask Marvel Comics. Uh, their biggest publicity came from the misconception that Ultimate Spider-Man was not only half Hispanic, but gay as well. Yeah. That extra gay thing got it on Glenn Beck, and it's probably the best thing that's... Uh, shit, Brian Michael Bendis, I think, said somewhere, and I could be misquoting, but I'm pretty sure he said somewhere, that was the best moment of my life. I heard <laughs> they were talking about my book on Glenn Beck. Fuck. How many more people are going to come even just to buy a... Uh, copy and burn it. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the sales figures, ultimately. Yeah, and it's all about the secondary market. You buy those books, you fucking burn them, then mine's worth something for a change. It'll be <laughs> the first time a comic book's been worth something in the secondary market since 1991. All right, so the other thing that's in the, the news is on Newsarama, there is an article up that asks, Are Comics Sexist? And they surveyed a, a wide variety of, of creators, um, most of whom took a fairly, yeah, probably, but nobody wants to be like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, we got to fix this. Comics you know? <laughs> are absolutely sexist. All those depictions of men in ball bag pants. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No. Go ahead. No, by all means. Um, it, it's, it's one of those things where... Look, in in the United States, for the most part, your average comic book reader is a male somewhere between the ages of of 15 to 35. I mean, there are older (laughs) readers. (laughs) Oh, Christ, I'm never going to fucking grow up, am I? (laughs) There are older readers. um, There are female readers. But, you know, in the United States, that's that's their main demographic. So, you know, it, are there some depictions that fall into more stereotyping, traditional, titillating kind of 
you know, art or whatever that will get those males' attention. Yeah, yeah, there are. That also shows up on television shows and, you know, in popular music. It's not endemic just in comics. Outside of the United States, you know, in, in say, Japan, you have a, a much wider base of female readers, and they're, they're reading manga, and so you'll see that there's a, a wider variety of books that appeal to a larger cross-section of individuals. Even then, the sexist depictions of well-endowed octopi in that <laughs> country. Uh, that is also a, a uh, <clears throat> country that has a, what they call the, I think it's like boy love or something. It's like basically women buy these books and it's like guy on guy kind of love stories Hot, taking place. sweet in... child on child round eye action. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area. Um, Thank God, because I can't keep up with the, those manga. <laughs> bodies anyway um but you know ultimately is it a question that needs to be hashed out yes no i well it, if it needs to be hashed out it needs to be hashed out everywhere in american popular culture because it is certainly not something that is you're right just in comics just off the top of my head going on both sides of it in popular music it, you know going beyond you know oh would Beyonce be famous if she didn't have that rack or you know, look back to the 90s we had on the male side uh, Millie Vanilli you know, yeah we need two strapping young men to you know dance in bike pants to this insipid rotten music to get anybody to listen to it and or the uh, CNC music Factory. yeah what's her face from CNC music factory we need a set of tits to sell this giant voice on MTV and the it's... giant voice will not be featured in the video because she is not attractive enough exactly so uh, this has gone on forever and uh, this is not my idea with somebody in that newsarama article and we'll throw a link up to it uh, on the page uh, on the main site rather but uh CSI, you know, really you're gonna go out and go up to your elbows in blood and brains and pus and piss. You know, with a V-neck sweater showing off your tits. That was uh, Keith Giffen. Yeah. God <laughs> bless that guy. Keith uh, Giffen, who will be writing all of the new 52s. When I'm queen, <laughs> <laughs> Keith Giffen will write all of DC Comics. <laughs> and they'll all be ambush book or JLI. But Although, Jeff Johns can stay. I like his work, too. Yeah. No, he... <laughs> But we're getting off point. We can talk about Jeff Johns all day long. Keith Giffen had the best, just you know, out of the out of the gate. Here, huh? Lob a grenade at me, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, no grenades at you. You're not Scott Lobdell. <laughs> uh, I, Mr. Lobdell, if you ever happen to listen to this, I I don't hate you. I don't know you. I just I have questions about your work. That's all. And a voodoo doll of you. Run, run like <laughs> hell. Rob only says that because his last uh, girlfriend before me, uh, there was a voodoo doll, and, and I was around. These are all allegations. This is going to become a lawsuit. <laughs> you don't stop it. <laughs> Shawls were stabbed. People got diseases. <laughs> she got mono. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I think if you, if you write a good piece of, of literature it, and you develop a strong network amongst whom you can promote your writing – you will find a way to break into the business. That's how Scott Snyder did it. Um, if more women write and work on the networking aspect of it, presumably more of them will break into the comics industry and 
maybe these sorts of portrayals will change. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even see the question that Newsarama had having really much to do with the number of women who actually create comics, although that certainly, based on San Diego Batgirl, is potentially a valid question, at least it's one that's being asked all over the place in comics now. Well, they always have that gender-crunching thing every week on, on Bleeding Cool just to show you know how many women creators are involved and how many female characters are in the books this week. It's uh, yeah, but, to about nine percent. But even that's <laughs> loaded because, like you said, it's a primarily male-driven. Uh, males are the primary audience. You know, are, are they asking how many men are writing the hot, sweet boy-on-boy Japanese comic action? No, they're not because it's not the right audience. Or if but, they are, I can't read that website. Yeah, but, I can't read Japanese. <laughs> you know, where these questions are all coming from, at least for right now, I think are based on the new Fifty-Two and based on. Red Hood and the Outlaws, and based on Catwoman, where, yeah, the, those books had serious, serious problems, and I don't really intend to read either one of them again, but it had nothing really to do with, you know, uh, boobies, and uh, you're treating these characters like they're whores. I'm willing to accept there are skanks in the world. There'll be skanks in the book. If they're compelling skanks, you know, Jesus, we just picked up, uh, and I forget how long ago it came out, uh, The Pro. Uh, Garth Ennis. By Garth Ennis. Uh, with Amanda Connor With Amanda art. Connor art. That book's awesome. The <laughs> lead character's a whore. Yes, like actively a whore. And that's a great fucking book. I never said this is, seg- you can see her nipples hanging out, and it's just a well-written like, book about a compelling character. Who happens to be a whore who gets superpowers. Exactly. And in the meantime, compare that to Starfire, where she's also a fucking whore, but it's like, this is just awful. Well, it's it's awful because I don't think the characters were thought through, the character beats weren't there, it's a complete departure from the original character, and all it comes down to is, we're telling you that she likes the cock. She's telling you she likes the cock. Let's watch her like the cock. Yes. You know, same thing with a Catwoman, which, you know... Everything comes back to Red Hood and the Outlaws. I had a bigger problem with Catwoman, which was just the last part of it was nothing but a fuck scene, which made me forget everything that came before because it was as light as, as I said in last week's podcast, hey, lady, it came to fix your copier. Yeah, and ultimately, if I'm reading this and I'm looking for a strong female character and I instead am confronted with a, a character who's looking for a any port in the storm, please put your dick in me kind of moment, that's not very strong. <laughs> yeah, well, it's and in, in the Catwoman example, because, again, that's the one I had the bigger problem of, there was nothing in that book leading up to it, nothing in any of the other New 52 books showing where that tension came from. They're relying on years and years of, oh, there's tension there, trust me, there's tension there. But if we're relying on it as a reboot, which I tried very hard to do, you know, I'm 16 pages in, and suddenly, yeah, dude showed up, and now they're fucking. It has nothing to do with anything from the story I read right there. No, and and yeah, that, that doesn't is... make it sexist. That makes it shitty porno writing. Yeah, I think the larger question that Newsarama or other agencies want to ask is not about our comics sexist, it, more along the lines of, are the writers actually doing the stories justice? How much of this? Are, is turning into a tell and not a show. You know, show me a good story. Play it out. You know, a lot of them are writing for the trade anyway. You have time. 
Yeah. Decompress the story. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. The whole free world. Slave labor graphics is going straight to digital. That day may come with regular standard comic books. And I pray it doesn't, but it might. In which case, fine, there's zero pressure to sell these books because they cost nothing to produce beyond what you pay the creators and what it costs for some dipshit to put something on a scanner. And now having a comics website, I can tell you, a drunken monkey can put something on a scanner and <laughs> put it on the internet. Yeah. So, you know... I guess my takeaway from this is nobody is going to solve the issue of whether or not something is perceived as sexist overnight. The best you can do is if you have an issue with what you're seeing, go out and write something yourself and try to promote yourself. Yeah, and uh, to me, comics are no more sexist than anything else. In 1983, strong and confident Princess Leia put on a metal bikini and gave boners to every 12-year-old in the world. Was that sexist? Probably. Does that mean that science fiction is innately sexist? <laughs> it's it's all about how you perceive the medium and, and how well the story is told. Exactly. So. But more hot, sweet, boy-on-boy Japanese tentacle action. Sure. <laughs> Can we get that on a t-shirt? Set up a cafe press site. <laughs> Just based on that phrase, I don't want anything that comes out of it on a T-shirt because that's an <laughs> ugly laundry. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add to this before we, we move along? No. Show me your jugs. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, all right. So that brings us, I think, to the end of, of our podcast this week. This oh, wait, is... Do we want to talk about books of the week? Do we? <laughs> I'm asking, all right, I'll 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 start. Uh, probably my favorite book of the week, which I'm going to try to get an actual review online, was uh, New Avengers 16.1, uh, which is a Marvel's point one initiative is their effort to have occasional books. Uh, no, it's not up here. It's downstairs. Um, okay. No, but, I, I was looking to see if I brought my book of the week up here. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, their point one is their effort to say, okay, fine, if you see a point one and it's not a book you're reading, you can pick this up, it's a one-shot, and you can actually get through it. Whether it's successful on that basis, I don't know, but what I know is Bendis is one of my favorite writers. He makes some mistakes, but New Avengers he's been dead on with pretty much since he picked it up. Um, so, yeah, this book has to do with the New Avengers and the final escape from custody of Norman Osborn. Ah, yes. Uh the only downside to it, character-wise, was, dude, last issue in, you introduced Daredevil as a member of the team, and he's not there. So it kind of dragged me out of the story a little bit as to when was this actually written. But it's his standard characterization of the standard characters, usual great dialogue, the biggest selling point. Neil fucking Adams, who I haven't seen draw anything from oh, Marvel since book. the 70s. Absolutely killer. Not a quick, you know, hey, I came in to do this. He clearly spent time on it. His depictions of Norman Osborn, every single character, just beautiful art on top of the standard good storytelling, you know, that Bendis generally does. Frankly, crunched in a little bit since he's so decompressed to say, okay, I need to let at least get a major first part of whatever long story arc into this one 20 something page book. Yeah, it's, it was a little out of his wheelhouse because of that, but absolutely nailed it. Good story. Best art I've seen probably in the last three or four weeks. That's my book of the week, man. 
Uh, I, have, I have a couple of choices this week. Um, I really enjoyed the new um, Faith and Angel. That um, was good. I enjoyed that. I, I'm enjoying watching uh, this sort of character study of Faith, who has traditionally been you know, the, the loose cannon that other people have had to keep an eye on because you know, she's more about just getting it done and not necessarily getting it done right. Yeah. Um, and now she's kind of in the position of having to take care of Angel, who is deeply broken and distraught over having killed Giles. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> and, and wants to bring him back from the dead. And if you've watched the series when it was on television, you know nothing ever good, c- good comes of trying to bring somebody back from the dead. Um, but he is, he, he is hell-bent on doing this. And she wants to you know, have his back because he took care of her when she was all broken. And now she has to be the responsible one. Whereas he wants to have her front. No, no, no he doesn't actually. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> he's all fucksored up. So yeah, I mean, he still he still thinks wistfully of Buffy. There's a whole thing in that issue. So I'm enjoying watching where that's going, and and I I really am enjoying the fact that they they've trimmed the cast down from from last season eight. I air bunny quotes. Yeah, which he, just got unwieldy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I didn't want to like uh, Faith and Angel because mostly because of the way it felt to me like IDW Comics was treated. They had the Angel license for years, and they had the uh, Angel season seven yeah. uh, storyline, and really tried to bring that forward. And it felt like the minute season eight for Buffy started to go a little sideways. Whedon said, okay, we're pulling this all under one roof so I can tell whatever story I want. And it felt like IDW, for all the efforts they made to keep Angel relevant, just sort of got kicked in the nuts for it and had it yanked from them. I really didn't want to like it. I'm really enjoying it. It's really well written. Uh, I'm enjoying the art. Don't ask me who did the art because the comic is not in front of me and I have been drinking. But uh, I'm enjoying that book, and I really didn't want to. I actively said uh, I'm not going to like this because I don't want it. No, I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, no, it's it's a good book. So pick it up if you haven't. Issue two is out. Um, the other thing I wanted to give a shout out to, and I've got a, a actual full on review of it up on the site already. But if you haven't picked up Aquaman one by Jeff Johns, it's I. I <laughs> <laughs> that's another one. It's. <laughs> I like Jeff Johns. I can't think of something he's written that I haven't enjoyed. When he said Flash, Aquaman, Flashpoint, I kind of had some issues with. But. Well, all right, Flashpoint. I think Flash, Flashpoint. I think got drawn into duties. It was never really Duty. meant to be drawn. Duty and meant to be drawn into. But uh, yeah, when he said Aquaman, I'm going to make Aquaman cool. Well, he hasn't done that yet. Did he write a good book that I really enjoyed reading, and I want to see what happens next? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's uh. Aquaman uh, is the butt of everybody's jokes, and Johns p- pokes some fun at that uh, in the course of the story. He's got uh, Ivan Rice, a uh, race, uh, pardon me if I've butchered your name, sir, um, <laughs> who was his collaborator artistically on Blackest Night. Uh, so there's some familiar looking art in there that is just beautiful and expressive and, and fluid. Um, but yeah. Poor Aquaman is, he's like the Rodney Dangerfield of, of superheroes. Yeah. Um, he gets no respect. Um, he gets kicked around worse than Charlie Brown. Let's, and you want to talk about show, don't tell. This was a talky book, um, and there wasn't a ton of action for what is a superhero comic, but 
when it comes to show, don't tell. You, you want to show that Aquaman just doesn't get any respect. They just show it, and sh- two or three scenes, three or four different people, where it's just a, a douchebag. Yeah, you, you feel for him, and, and, and you, you get emotionally, you know, drawn into it. It's like, oh, God, dude, how do you put up with this? <laughs> and, yeah, it's weird. I don't want to feel for Aquaman unless my hand is up and my finger is pointed and I'm cackling at him. <laughs> And what I want to feel is glee for doing it. Now I feel guilt. And uh, that's that's a sign of someone who in one 20-something page book says, okay, uh, let's take what everybody knows and use it. And yeah, it shows it. Do I wish there was more action in the book? Uh, maybe, but frankly, I don't think the character can support it until you address a certain number of things. Yeah, and, and there will be. They've, they've introduced uh, some... Big fishy-looking bads and uh, the tentacles, strong and firm. No, they have teeth though. They have teeth. Um, <laughs> well, how am I going to get a boner over that? <laughs> I don't think you're you're supposed to, but uh, you you can address that when you take the Nielsen survey. <laughs> now I feel shame and guilt, <laughs> as you should. Don't take away Aquaman's football. <laughs> but yeah, so go go read Aquaman one. Seriously, Jeff Johns did a solid job on that, and you should read it. So there. Yeah, no, totally agree. All right. So I think that now brings us to the end of of this podcast. Thank God. I'm almost out of beer. Here on Crisis on Infinite Midlives. Uh, We named this the... Episode three, the fistula of justice. The fistula of justice. (laughs) Don't Google it. Actually, Google it at work. Then you'll have (laughs) plenty of time. We need people to help us write. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, so thank you for joining us. Um, we try to do this and get this out to you every Monday. So we look forward to uh, having you guys download us and listen to us. Yes, and derp. Derp. <laughs>